Hello, I'm Sandeep Tyagi, your host for The Brand Called You. And the brand we are speaking with today is Mehul Mehta. Mehul is the owner of Corusel Group. He's based in Durban, South Africa. He was educated at the Rochester Institute of Technology. Welcome to the show, Mehul. Thank you very much, Sandeep. Just to confirm, uh, it's co-owner and it's part of a family business. So I'm a piece of the puzzle. Piece of the puzzle. Um, well, tell us about Coruscant, what kind of business it is. You said it's a family business and I, I noticed that you've been running it for almost, uh, involved in it for almost 30 years. Well, what does it do? What is the main uh, output? So the business is primarily in packaging. Uh, it starts with the uh, waste collection, which moves into paper manufacture and then moves on to adding value through the stream on manufacturing of corrugated boxes. A box could be used from a pizza box to a shipping box to a coffin. And then we have one part of our business, which is a can manufacturing, so metal can processing. So both metal and cardboard packaging materials. Correct. And uh, and is that what the initial vision was? How did you guys get started in saying this might be an interesting area uh, to get into or build a, a business in? What was the background that prompted the start? It was actually not anywhere in the vision when it started. So my late great-grandfather was the founder of the business together with his brother. And then my dad joined sometime after. They started as a printing business. So our forefathers came to India just before the turn of the century. And uh, my late great-grandfather great worked with Mahatma Gandhi in the printing press. So his only skill was printing. He left the printing press, started a printing business. And then over the generations, we were fortunate to have very entrepreneurial lineage. And they dabbled in lots of businesses and we've landed on packaging. Oh, well, that's a very interesting stream about your connection to uh, Mahatma Gandhi's time in Africa. I'll pick up on that. But but you've been doing uh, this work for almost 30 years now. Uh, what motivates you to show up and put in that effort every day? Yeah, I think it's just loving the journey. So... I mean, it's a privilege um, to have the opportunity at a very young age. My, my father was extremely empowering, um, uh, much more giving and much much more empowering than I think I will ever be. And so at a very young age, I was 22 years old. I joined the business from uh, finishing my undergrad in the U.S., thinking I'd have a short stint. And he literally handed over the reins of the business and let me make strategic decisions, uh, capital injection decisions. He was he was really phenomenal. And so I suppose to answer your question, having that uh, freedom of uh, choosing one's own destiny at a young age, it's actually quite addictive. That, that freedom is a wonderful um, uh, part of the liberation we had. And so, yeah, I, I just enjoy getting to work, engaging with people, setting strategy and having wonderful people working with us. And, and how has the business changed in 30 years? I mean, packaging is almost constantly evolving. I see funky kind of things in grocery store all the time. Um, how has the fundamentals of the business changed over these 30 years? And what do you see as some impending big shift happening 
in this space? Um, so the, I'd say the greatest change effectively in the packaging industry, I would say in the last years, technologically, the product is, is not dissimilar to the way it was made a hundred years ago, a corrugated box. Obviously, there's nuances that make it run faster and more efficiently, but the construction or the basic science behind the corrugated hasn't changed. The real shift is uh, the link to the consumer. And consumers today are a shop with a conscience. So they want to make sure that the packaging is sustainably sourced. They want to make sure that there's a high level of recyclability and recycled content. They want to make sure the brand that they're dealing with are people they can trust. And although we're quite far removed from the consumer, because we have the retailer and the FMCG supplier and the, maybe the online retailer between us and the consumer, there's still some trust through the value chain. So yeah, Sandeep, I think the, probably the greatest change is the uh, constant innovation to be better aligned with the consumer. So in other words, a very service orientated structure. So this ESG or sustainability, I, I hear about it in the investment world all the time, but do you see it as a major shaper of the business itself as your product line recycling content percentage has been impacted and shifted because of what you think is happening at the consumer's uh, preferences? Uh, 100%. So legislation obviously has uh, got some impact in this role. Uh, we believe we need to be acting ahead of legislation. So we, we need to sort of preempt the consumer's needs and actually what's just right for the planet. So um, Sandeep, there's definitely a, a lots of opportunity and innovation to make our businesses more sustainable to have a strong social component to the way we operate, to have uh, credibility so that, and this is internal credibility because the people who work for our organization must also work for an organization that they feel has got the right uh, morals and right ethics. So ESG is probably a modern way of saying, you know, just do the right thing. Okay, well, um... Shifting to your personal uh, journey, tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? I was uh, had a lovely childhood. Um, I'm the middle child, so I'm often the butt of many jokes, the one who seeks all the attention stuck in the middle. Uh, I have an elder sister who um, is very much involved in uh, um, healthcare and pharmacovigilance. My brother and I co-run the business. We both come from an engineering background and we're we're best we're best friends. Um, my sister lives in Durban, so we get to see her and her family often. Um, during my childhood, uh, it was an interesting story. South Africa has, as you know, was under an apartheid regime for a while. So my family lived in a great big uh, family home, which happened to be in a white neighborhood. So, and this was before my I was born. Uh, they then were asked to leave that neighborhood because of an act called the Group Areas Act and family split up because they couldn't be accommodated in any home. So they lived in flats in the middle of town. I grew up in the middle of town, which was very social, but I presume the adjustment for my parents were much bigger. They moved from a big house to a tiny flat. So we lived in a one bedroom flat. 
My brother and I slept on the couch for probably about eight years of our lives. Um, and today, one would think that that's real hardship. But we loved it because going to bed at night, you could sneak an eye open and watch Tilly while your parents were watching over you and uh, they thought you were sleeping. We had friends. We played cricket on the streets. It was just really very social. The one strong influence in my upbringing was my grandfather. He was a very, very strong um, almost a cornerstone of the community and as the um, eldest son and one can imagine in, in the sexist times that we were brought up on the eldest son was was uh, was uh, burdened if you could call it that to continue the family name and so he took lots of pride in taking me under his wing and you know he taught me how to ride a bicycle he used to read uh, the bhagavad gita to me when i was very young so he was a very strong influence and uh, when he died and i was around 12 years old it was quite a big um, loss for me personally but he left uh, lots of foundational stuff so that was lovely um yeah and then i'll just quickly continue finished high school in south africa my dad who had been given the opportunity to study overseas he did uh, his printing degree based on the printing uh, uh, industry. He studied in the UK. He gave me the same opportunity to go to the US and study. And so that was also an amazing experience. So uh, how was it growing up in South Africa, coming from India? Uh, obviously, the connection to India must have been an important part of um, the journey living in South Africa with its own dynamics of what was happening politically and otherwise had its own uh, imprint on you. What was that impression? What is it to be, I guess, um, South Africa is one of the largest Indian diaspora uh, outside, I mean, of course, diaspora outside India. So what was that uh, as a community, as an experience growing up? Um, so the connection between India and South Africa was quite broken because there was a long period of uh, sanctions between India and South Africa. And so the average South African actually lost quite a bit of connection with India. We were quite fortunate because uh, two of my dad's sisters were married in India in Mumbai. And so we always had this connection and my parents made a particular effort to keep that family connection alive. So every few years we would visit India and it was a complete adventure. Eating Pani Puri on the streets is like one of my fondest memories. And um, so, so that connection with India was always there. Uh, I had more cousins in India, first cousins from my dad's side than I had in South Africa. So that was lovely. Uh, growing up as a, as, a, as a young boy in South Africa was, was lovely. We were quite... My parents uh, shielded us quite a bit from the political um, scenario, so we weren't directly affected. However, it was quite odd uh, to interact with, a, with a, a white person, as an example. So people of color, you know, you would meet each other probably more socially. The school I went to had only people of color. We didn't have any white students. And so it was quite awkward when I finally left South Africa and went to the U.S., and uh, you know, I was now uh, amongst uh, lots of people, lots of Caucasian people, which was culturally quite a big shock for me. 
That's uh, that's an evolution that uh, even as growing up, you went into a completely segregated school uh, uh, as as a child. Um, what was one piece of advice that you received um, that you think has had a big impact on your journey? Something that shaped what you chose to do or where you studied or lived or worked or or even relationships, any piece of advice that sticks out is, this changed my journey. I don't think it was specifically delivered as advice. Uh, it was probably delivered as a uh, ethos. And that came from my grandfather. And it was just to do my duty. So it was, um, I never found it a burden or uh, in fact, as I said earlier, it was a privilege to have been given these opportunities. But it was almost an unspoken rule that at some point I would come back and continue the family business uh, together with my brother. And um, again, it wasn't advice. It was almost just, well, it is what it is. And what I loved about it is it didn't, uh, I didn't use too much of my intellectual capacity thinking about what I was going to do. Uh, and I see it with my children. They, they are so consumed by what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. What are they going to study? Where are they going to live? I didn't have to make any of those choices. Those choices were made for me. And, and I suppose the advice in that is some of that journey and that duty that one does um, is actually quite simple. It, it reduces the number of stressful decisions one has to make uh, in life. Yeah. <laughs> I've recently become vegan, uh, and and I know there's people who. Uh, so I, I'm not a fist pumping vegan. Uh, it was just a, it was a, an interesting choice. But what I love about it is walking into a restaurant. And South Africa does not have a great um, vegan food culture. And you go into a restaurant, and most often there's only one dish that I can eat, and that's lovely because the simplicity <laughs> of choice is just made for me. Yeah, your uh, your restrictions make it easy for you to say, what am I going to eat today? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, they say that um, there are no failures, only lessons. What has been your most significant failure and what did it teach you? So I'm not sure if I can point it to any particular failure, but my early days in business... As I explained earlier, my father had really empowered me, but he ran a very conservative business. He knew all of his clients personally. He knew their families. He knew their history. And one of the things he managed to do well is never have a bad debt or never have a significant bad debt. I joined the business and I was aggressive, uh, U.S. educated, uh, was taught to take some risks and to double down when you could. And I, within the first few years of, of being um, managing part of the business, managing the sales side of the business, I took some significant bad debts. And that lesson was amazing because the best part of that lesson was the fact that I was never reprimanded by my dad. He, um, he I, I think it's amazing. It must have, he must have lost lots of sleep. But it never, ever was uh, any pressure on me. And having that knowledge that even through failure, someone was there just to support you or to encourage you to continue um, 
it could have been quite a derailing um, experience. But uh, yeah, I think that for me was was key. And and have you kind of imbibed yourself with that uh, level of patience uh, for the next generation or uh, or you know people younger to you? Yeah, so you know, make some of the stuff is innately in us, but often one um, um, in this world of measurement, you know, the world is obsessed with just measuring everything, uh, monthly performance, quarterly reviews, and I suppose failure is highlighted whenever you measure something, and so you have to be quite conscious about saying, well, this is just part of the journey, you know, this is just. And so to answer your question, patience isn't one of my strong points, but uh, I need to practice. But it's probably more than what it would have been having you gotten that kind of a lesson. That's um, true. Okay. This uh, is the last section, um, Mehul. I'm going to ask you some quick on-the-spot questions and whatever pops in your mind, that's what you tell us. We get to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite sport? Currently, paddle. Paddle tennis? Okay. If you could meet a historical figure for dinner, who would it you like to meet? And what would you talk about? Um, I think Mahatma Gandhi or Nelson Mandela as uh, just incredible leaders would be lovely. Um, I think what I would talk to them about is uh, very similar to the questions you've asked earlier, sort of, you know, learning from their failures because they evolved their brand. And I, I uh, thanks for the introduction to this talk, but they evolved their brand internally. Today, we have the opportunity with social media to evolve our brand by being exposed to so many people. But back then, I think they would have really had to do to introspect to develop their brand. So it would be lovely to understand that journey. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh, uh, I'm going to give away my nerdiness here. But when I was in university, I was exposed to the Japanese philosophy of manufacturing of total quality management. And I read a book called The Goal by Eli Golrat. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's not one that one would normally choose, but <laughs> I, I, it's it's left an impression. What's it called on total quality management? Yeah, well, actually, the book is called The Goal, and it's by an author called Eli Golrat. It's um, really about the the uh, manufacturing process and bottlenecks and how to release it, but it was done in a very nice format. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, what is the achievement that you're most proud of? Um, that's a difficult one. I think just um, being of value to my family. Um, I was quite driven at a young age. So when I set goals, being a good family member was actually uh, not one of them. My goals were very linked to my um, career, were linked to my progress. But if I look back, one of the things I, I just love about the evolution of where we are is just the family unit, um, my wife, my children, my parents. I still live next door to my parents. So, yeah, I, I think that was unconsciously a, a good outcome. 
If you find yourself suddenly with a free afternoon, let's say a big meeting just got canceled last minute, how do you spend it? Um, if it was, uh, if I could pull the, the coordination together, I'd message some people and try and get a paddle game in. Uh, <laughs> okay. Or I'd come home and, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure actually. I don't often get a free afternoon, but yeah, if I can get a paddle game, I'll squeeze one in. Um, final uh, few words. What is brand Mehul Mehta in your own words? Um, I suppose being grateful of being born in the right place and having the right surroundings and having the right people influence and support through this journey. Thank you, Mehul. So here you have it, uh, Mehul Mehta, humble, uh, grateful, and uh, very thankful for all the opportunities he's built in creating this uh, business and uh, a wonderful family around him. Thank you for being part of this uh, podcast. Sandeep, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.